Space Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESOAmazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out, tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On today's program, Josh Peterson and I are recapping the Memorial Day movie weekend with myself taking it right on the chin with my pick and Josh commenting more on how long the final adventure will last for the Pirates of the Caribbean series. We're also talking the Justice League shakeup, the prospects for Far Cry 5, Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, Microsoft's new challenger to Twitch, and does the world really need a Top Gun and Spaceballs sequel? All this plus clips from Humanica Media's What About This and Super BS Gamescast and another hit song from Plasma Z. It's another massive influx of podcasting greatness we have for you today as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend, the CEO of Humanican Media. It's Josh Peterson. We truly appreciate you listening to the broadcast here today. We, we are so thrilled, as always, to be on the Podcast Radio Network. We're the number one show three months in a row on the Podcast Radio Network right here every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. We're also on a numerous array of downloadable options in case you do not make the show when it airs on the Podcast Radio Network, that's okay. It's not a problem at all because we've got tons of, of ways that you can get the show each and every week along with the PCC Multiverse, our Friday show on the Podcast Radio Network as well. We've got iTunes, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast.com. 
We've got the ESO network, the Tangent Bound network, the Gunna Geek network as well. And our latest, latest network, we want to welcome a pop culture cosmos welcome to the Ace Podcast Network. So we appreciate them joining up in our our group of affiliates that were actually uh, going ahead and and relaying all that good love that the Pop Culture Cosmos has each and every week. And if you download our shows, we try very hard on each and every episode to add a bonus podcast at the end just because we love you so much for downloading the show. So, Josh, how does it feel to be right about, well, let's say uh, – uh, everything that was going on this weekend in regards to what was going to make it and what not what was not going to make it in regards to the box office this weekend. You remember that line in Batman Begins when he was like, he told Alfred, he's like, hey, I told you that, uh, you know, you could say I told you so. And then Alfred's like, I don't want to. But right now I do want to tell you I told you so. What made you think, like, just, 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 what made you think Baywatch was going to be? I actually had a conversation with someone about this. He's like, I was expecting it to be, I guess it, it was entertaining. I'm sure it is, but he was like, I was, I was expecting more from it. And I, I was expecting it to be a, uh, yes, it was think? going to be dumb fun. Let's just get that out of the way. I understand that. It was going to be dumb fun at the movies. I expected it to still be a step up from Chips, which which I guess you could probably say it's the closest thing that it emulates to in, in recent memory. But I also think that it was going to be closer to 22 Jump Street and 21 Jump Street than opposed to Chips as far as from a successful standpoint. And I like the fact that they just really went out of their way to go ahead and make a lot of advertising available so that you you knew exactly when it was hitting. You knew exactly when it was going to come out. In fact, the Super Bowl ads, there were – I mean, you cannot fault the production company or, or the – the film studio behind Baywatch for for not being able to get that news and out there it just looks like a product that really not a whole lot of people wanted to see because this weekend it looks like Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. No, it's not quite hitting at the same level it once did, but still, it's still looking like a seventy-five to eighty million dollar forty-four day weekend. Did you expect it not to though? I expected maybe even a little bit less than that. So actually, uh, it, it's but I still obviously was going to take the number one spot. It just yeah. to what extent? I, I, I think, think that I, people are severely underestimating the uh, the uh, downfall of the Pirates franchise. Well, I, I didn't not have the strongest of hopes after some recent movies. Some uh, that uh, obviously Johnny Depp has been a part of, especially the last Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass that did so poorly on the previous Memorial day weekend for him. So I was looking to see maybe 50 to 60 million. I was still thinking it was going to hit the top spot, but I didn't think it was going to be doing uh, that that well for the series. So it shows that there is still some life left now, whether it's going to be a hit, it all depends on that ever elusive international market because the previous film in the series uh, on Stranger Tides did uh, gangbusters overseas, and that basically what was put it over the top is making it into a billion-dollar movie. Whether it does again this time, we'll have to wait and see. But at least here domestically, an $80 million, close to $80 million Memorial Day weekend is a good start. But for Baywatch, something that, that I had said might actually surprise and, and be one of the surprise hits of the summer, 
I was truly disappointed. You know, obviously, tepid reviews aside, uh, dictated as far as fans' interest in the movie itself. I thought The Rock's name and The Rock's presence in the movie would would garner him. I thought he was as close to Teflon as possible right now in the marketplace as far as movie uh, is concerned. But looks like that's not the case because the movie itself looks like it's going to be right around $20 million for the four-day weekend, which actually will end up being lower than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So I ask you this, Josh, with all the numbers coming in already for the four-day weekend for Memorial Day, do you think right now it looks to be a, a, another successful run for Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, as as much as I didn't really enjoy the movie, it, it's a lot of people are saying that the Pirates franchise is crashing, Johnny Depp needs to retire, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with them, but it's a Pirates movie, man. It's like, that's the reason people go to Disneyland. You say, Disneyland, Pirates of the Caribbean, and people love people love Johnny Depp, even though, you know, despite the fact they're not utilizing that character well, uh, people are still going to go see it. It's it's something to watch, and it it's been capturing the imagination of people for a very long time, and it's... I think it will continue to do so as long as they keep making movies about it. And then right now also like franchises are the only people who will touch Johnny Depp because his, uh, you know, his one, his single movie outings haven't really done so well. So there's that. I, I can, I can't agree with you more on that, that it looks like, you know, there's still some tank. There's, there's still something left in the tank for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, do you think, it will go out as far as a movie trilogy is concerned. Cause you said this supposedly is the final adventure and there were speculation whether or not if the movie does well enough that this would be the final adventure. Do you think that there will be more in the series to come? Maybe one or two more before they finally give it the news. I think so. I mean, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but they did. They wrapped up the, the story arcs of several characters, but they there's no resolution to Jack Sparrow. So I think that if moving forward, they will, uh, they have to basically give Jack Sparrow the storyline that he never got. Cause he's always been kind of an aside, like a foil to the other characters. So I think that there will be at least two more. It said the final adventure begins. So I, I'm assuming that they're going to make two more movies and they're going to give Jack Sparrow the proper ending that, you know, people, have come to expect for a, uh, I guess, beloved character, if you will. So it looks like Disney will try to ring out every single last cent of Pirates of the Caribbean indeed. So it, it definitely uh, uh, bodes well for fans of the series. If you have thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, or one of my most disappointing, uh, I guess, predictions that i've had in quite a long time when it comes to uh baywatch as far as it not performing what are your thoughts on both films as how they perform this weekend share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com plus also as well humanican media pop culture cosmos and game source on facebook and twitter as well and speaking of humanican media josh what's going on this week with Humanican Media. Let's see. Okay, so Monday for sure you'll get What About This, and you'll probably get a few other shows that I, uh, I've i edited but just haven't had the time to put up everywhere it needs to go. So you'll get uh, What About This, Super BS, um, Topicocalypse for sure, and uh, 
you know, that, that's, that's all I can say right now. That's cause that's all I have planned out. So yeah, just, uh, you know, stay tuned. I apologize for falling behind, but you'll get to hear this stuff soon enough. And if you haven't heard all the great stuff that Josh has to offer on Humanity Media, check that out on their Facebook page, their YouTube page, or Podbean. Uh, where else? I forgot. Uh, you know, Podcast.com. And, and where else can Humanity Media stuff uh, be played? Besides, Google. you know, Taste Log, Mixcloud, and, and obviously the, the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. Yeah, well. you got iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, uh, Pocket Casts. Uh, somehow they ended up on some other big podcast outlets too. So it's, I I don't know, but I mean, just search, search for uh, what about this and, or, you know, anything that I do in any uh, major podcast distributor and it should pop up. But yeah, the major ones are iTunes, uh, Pocket Cast, Podbean, and, uh, you know, YouTube, Facebook, obviously. Sounds good indeed. So that's Humanican Media. We truly appreciate Josh sharing us the latest info on all of their great podcasts. Well, it's going to be a great show here today. We're going to be talking a lot of great stuff, including some more thoughts on on some movies that maybe movie projects that are coming up that maybe, eh, I don't know if we're really ready for or not, or we really still care, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, we got a great song here from Elijah Harrison, a.k.a. Plasma Z. This is Level 1. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
that was Plasma Z. Check out his entire list of great tracks today on SoundCloud. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, if you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly, or that putting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products, such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways, so if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach. And get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening out there today. Well, Josh, I want to ask you a question. Okay, I know these films maybe just date you a little bit as far as being a little bit older than when you first started becoming a movie fan, but what are your thoughts on the original Spaceballs and Top Gun. See, Spaceballs was tough for me because I didn't. Uh, I had a hard time getting. I'm sure if I were, I don't younger in that era that it came out, that I'd be more into it. But uh, you know, I do. I do like all the old Mel Brooks films, Spaceballs, uh, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. But they're not like movies that if I were recommending classic movies to people, I wouldn't say, "Hey, go watch these." So and while I did like Spaceballs, I, it's not a movie that I'm like clamoring for a sequel to. And you know, John Candy's gone. So I don't know like how you would ever replace that part. And he, he's kind of a, one of those classic actors, but um, you know, as for Top Gun, I, Hey, I've always loved Top Gun and I'm, you know, I think it's fine the way it is. I don't think they need a sequel. And from what I understand, the sequel is going to be, uh, you know, drone related. So it's going to be like a bunch of people playing video games and stuff. So it's, it's, it's definitely going to be weird. I don't think that it's kind of like Blade Runner. It's an iffy move because there are a lot of people who weren't around during there. There's people definitely going to be excited. Certain audience going to be excited for it, but there's the people who weren't around during that era and haven't like gone, you know, watched Archer done like the, the danger zone thing that it's going to be hard to market it to them. So that's what I'm more, I'm more interested in seeing how they're going to bring people into these franchises rather than how, how good the movie is. Obviously I'm stoked about Blade Runner though. Oh, that Blade Runner, if any of the projects coming up, that I, I'm excited for most Blade Runner because, as you can tell, if you've read my column on my top 25 films of all time on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, the original Blade Runner does appear on that list. So, definitely, it is something that appeals to me. As far as Spaceballs, to give you an idea on how far Spaceballs goes back, I remember asking the production company and the film company involved, to, and they sent me over a, uh, a, a tape back time back at that time, three-quarter-inch tape 
of some clips of the actual movie, original movie before it came out as a, as a sneak peek to show on our uh, old television station that I was working at that at that time at back in high school. So for me, that's a very long time ago indeed. So uh, whether or not it will still have the same appeal this time around, uh, I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, I, I could see where there's still there's they could they could do some things to it. Obviously, they're going to make the Bill Pullman character into the Harrison Ford character, and then obviously he might meet the same demise that that Harrison Ford did, and uh, you know, obviously uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and then maybe obviously create a Kylo Ren character and and all that, so they could emulate what's going on today very easily. I think it actually could translate better than a Top Gun two because you know Top Gun two you're going to have Tom Cruise and and whatnot, but after that, you know, really, the, the Val Kilmer I know is interested in 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 reprising his role, but you know, it doesn't really matter at this point. I don't know. It just seems like some of these ideas they sound great on paper. Hey, let's bring it back after X number of years, but but really, nine times out of ten these days, as you and I've seen since we started talking about films the past couple of years. It really, for the most part, they don't work out. I think Blade Runner 2049, will, if it's good, will actually pan out to be something very successful. But most of those you know, franchises or, or iterations that, that brought back after so many years really don't, don't get a lot of love from, from audiences. And if either one of those, in my opinion, well, okay, I, I think Top Gun, you know, obviously the name people are still familiar with. And obviously you said you're familiar with it as well. And I, I think Spaceballs uh, 2 would be the one I'm, I'm a little bit more interested to see because, you know, with Mel Brooks being in his, his you know, 90 plus now to see if he can still have that sense of humor as far as if he's writing or, or somehow involved with the picture as far as Top Gun 2. Will that be exciting? Will it be interesting? I mean, Josh, you said drones or something that you, would you really want to see if it's drone based? No, but I mean, even still, like you have to look at uh, Independence Day uh, two is the perfect example of this. While well, it Zoolander was Zoolander two, Zoolander two, but I mean, I think Independence Day two is better than you know more that type of movie. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was fun to watch, but ultimately it was not good. Like it was just one of those things. And I think that they were hoping to recapture like the audiences that came back as well as bring new fans in. It just wasn't, wasn't that exciting. It's it's kind of the same thing we've seen before. And with the drones, you know, it's like, it's really not that interesting. Like drones are not fun to watch. They're fun to play with if you're a a cinematographer, but they they crash easy. But, um, you know, it's just, it's not like, it's not something I'd want to watch. There's no really, it seems like they're going to really be fishing for a storyline for that one. Well, folks, do you feel the need? Do you feel the need for speed with a new Top Gun two or a Spaceballs two coming to theaters possibly in the future? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, Humanican Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. This is Travis from Ghost Coasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.com. 
www.wordpress.com. The guys from the What About This podcast are back with some more great conversations. We fast forward today and, you know, us waking up from shame is like coming out of the matrix, you know, we've got all, like, <laughs> pulling all the tubes yeah. out and then, but it goes back to like objective view. Why can't they see what I see? Like, how am I going to make myself vulnerable and put myself out there without right. them knowing where I'm coming from? Fantastic. Yes. And so we have like... Even today's society's definition of acceptance yeah. is not real. It's like right. I'm accepting you because it makes me feel better as a human right. being about whatever it is yeah. you want. Yeah, well, to. yeah, we're constantly so rejecting and accepting things in order. So if I reject something, what I'm doing is I'm trying to find my identity in it. If mm-hmm. I'm I'm about that, I'm not. And when I say I'm not about that, it's also it. What it's doing is I'm saying that's part of who I am. Right. And so we, you know, we're compelled by things or we're, we're repelled by things. And I would even say there's, there's an element of, of, no, it's, you know, the jealousy factor is you are compelled by it, but you're jealous. So you can't be compelled by it instead of the appreciation yeah. and understanding like the complexity of each kid. Yeah. That, that you didn't have three of the same. And even if you had triplets, they ain't the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're constantly absorbing what society wants from us so even if we're like we're aware of of this we we tend to get buried beneath what everybody else is thinking or projecting yeah yeah and i think i think that's why shame is the starting point to transformation identifying shame looking at shame seeing shame calling shame what it's it's like a it's like a car if our soul is like a dirty car, mm-hmm. you know, that has just a, a bunch of dirt on the outside and water everywhere. Yes. Identifying shame is like the car wash, right? Where there's a whole bunch of stuff inside of it that still needs to be like sifted through and worked on. But when we when we see the shame, we, we call it what it is. And it's like we get this like nice car wash for our car so that we can at least see inside and, and see like what, what's down there and what's you going know on. you know you just yeah. made me think about with your car illustration is white why do people buy white cars because they don't look as dirty yeah and so it's almost like we're like the white we're like these white cars yeah. and they're like and then and then you like you said you take it to the wash and you go yeah. oh, yeah, oh there was a film you, yeah. but you know what you know what, <laughs> yeah. you know what my, where my mind took me to is like why do people write "wash me" on those cars as if they're shaming the they're car not, that it's dirty? That's like shame, you're like what? shame like, tactics, guys. You're like, I know my car is dirty. You don't need to write "wash no, me" he, on he, it because there is because right, if you're forty years old and up, right. if you don't have a your car no, is I, not clean, but I just you think, are not. I just a, think that's you're a, not a whole person. I just think that's right. a funny impulse, and it's what it we've is. been talking about. It's a funny impulse for like the sixteen-year-old kid. Because he thinks it's funny, which is the worst form, right. form of humor. But why would they but even like, do this? Because the forty-five-year-old, right? Right. right. No, I understand it. I just, why, let's, let's, same, let's take it a, a step it's further. It's part of the same system. Let's yes. take it a step right. further. Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Why do you feel super uncomfortable? I'm not saying us. I don't think the four of us fall into this category. But why do a lot of people feel so ashamed when somebody comes over to their house and it's yes. not clean, right. spotless? What do you say? Don't go in that room. Do right. not. Do yeah. not. Go in. We pretend to be something we're not in the moment. It's just, it's right. yeah. like, how is there a better picture of just our souls? Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't look at that part. Yes. Right. You know, let's not talk about because Don't do that again, part. Again, but going back to Travis's point, because there's a vulnerability 
in inviting, inviting, not even just having someone stop by your house, but inviting someone over yeah. when your house is a mess. That's the What About This podcast available today on all Humanica media outlets. And we're back with more of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica media. It's Josh Peterson. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast and, and just say, hey, have you seen the latest trailer from, from Ubisoft's Far Cry 5? We talked about in a previous episode as far as what Ubisoft has planned out for audiences and gamers alike with the new Assassin's Creed and Far Cry on the way. And sure enough, this week, a new Far Cry trailer debuted with it in the setting of Montana and looks like you'll be going against a religious sect and the, the, some of the townsfolk in the, in the uh, Montana based area looks like they'll be fighting alongside because they're upset with the way the religious sect has controlled the area for, for such a long period of time. And it's up to you and, and everybody that's supporting you to stop this religious sect from continuously taking over the land and providing a despair and cruelty throughout the actual game indeed. So, so Josh, I know you've had a chance to see the first glimpses as far as including some, maybe some character based trailers that have also released on, and we've shown some on our game source site on Facebook. So I ask you this is far cry fives, switch over to from well from nepal and and you know where it was based previously to somewhere completely different here in america right in the montana area what could that lead to as far as for a great adventure is concerned and what how do you feel it's going to be for you as a gamer i don't know see because they they kind of are trying to do like a modern red dead i guess is is what i'm seeing from this and you know, Ubisoft, a lot of Ubisoft, a lot of people are, you know, they're not too stoked on them anymore. So Assassin's Creed, the last couple outings have not been that well received by cameras. They've been, they've done well critically, but. Well, uh, we talked about this as far as Ubisoft not having that AAA status, in, at least in our opinion, anymore at this time. Right, right. So, I mean, it's. Is this really like a good direction for them to go? Like my big thing here, what I've been all keep wondering about is, do you think it's smart for them to be going after religious groups, even if in a mocking way? Do you think it's a, a good business decision for them to go after religious groups for a a uh, you know as a company that's not really doing so well right now among gamers? Well, I remember the previous iteration, and, and I think you do as well, when they had that controversy in regards to the cover art for Far Cry 4. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, and no, I remember it. Yeah, and that, that courted controversy as well. So I think maybe what they were doing is being planned out, and they want to court that kind of controversy. They want to straddle that line between you know reality and, and obviously playing a game and whatnot. So they want to make sure that that, they do along the way, maybe even ruffle a few feathers. So I think it's something that that's definitely intended indeed. Uh, if it works out to be a high quality game, uh, a great adventure and a, a, just a, and a open world that that's actually full of life that, that people want to go ahead and play through. That's what I'm hoping for with, because with lately with Ubisoft adventures, it's been kind of a mixed bag. 
Far Cry 4 was really solid game, but obviously people have had issues with recent episodes of the Assassin's Creed series. And well, Far Cry Primal didn't do so well either. I, 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 from people I've talked to who played it, they said they didn't really like it that much. And then there's also Ghost Recon Wildlands, which sold strongly, but kind of died out. The same thing with Division started off strongly, but kind of died out. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, that seems to have had some life continuously throughout. They've tried to make sure that there's been a fervent fan base for that game for the time it's been out. So at least that game, at least like it's had some legs, but the previous division and also as well ghost recon wildlands seems like had short term interest from gamers because uh you know that they sold well early on but they didn't seem to be able to last as far as in the minds of gamers but we'll wait and see how this is going to be i'm just hoping it will be a full adventure indeed because i really think that ubisoft and the far cry series need it now more than ever because Josh and I really don't have our hopes up for the next Assassin's Creed, seeing how the past couple have been kind of disappointing. But we'll wait and see. We'll definitely uh, take a you know a look at it, and we'll share our thoughts on the games as they come out. But what are your thoughts on Far Cry 5 now that the initial trailer has been released? We truly appreciate your thoughts on it. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, GameSource, Humanican Media, and pop culture cosmos on facebook and twitter as well and don't forget josh and and i have put a lot of great things out on our website popculturecosmos.wordpress.com josh what are some of the things that we've written out lately on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com you can read my review of alien covenant which is up there now and i also wrote a uh, a piece on depression chris cornell 13 reasons why uh yeah, I keep. I'm always afraid. I'm going to say 13 shades of gray. I don't know why. You did once. You did once. I did. I did, and I don't know why I keep wanting to say that. But uh, yeah, the article is about depression, anxiety, suicidal feelings. 13 reasons why, not shades of gray. And uh, Chris Cornell. So just some thoughts I put out there to kind of elaborate on the podcast we did. So and regarding my own experiences. So definitely check that out. There's some more stuff coming out soon. I'm I'm in the middle of like three or four right now. And I know Gerald's written some stuff lately. Yeah. And I'm going to be putting out some stuff definitely this week. And then take a look at, at what I think about my top 25 films. Plus also as well, I've got my thoughts on the star Wars universe from top to bottom. Also as well, the top to bottom in the Marvel cinematic universe, which I know Josh and I have discussed before on the air and I know I'm right, but you can take a look at my thoughts on that as well. Popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Plus we have reviews on games, reviews on movies, and just a whole lot of great things that are there. So take a look at it when you get a chance popculturecosmos.wordpress.com you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves 
Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. The guys from the Super BS Gamescast share their thoughts on the latest video game news. So yeah, that was kind of the only cool news I really read. There was some other like fun stuff, but the Mario RPG was kind of like the big one this week. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. So obviously you know that Netflix is making a Castlevania show. Oh. Do you think... Cause, okay. Did you watch the trailer? I watched the trailer. Okay. Do you think that they can really capture the magic that is Castlevania? I've never been a Castlevania. Show? Yeah, I've never been a Castlevania fan. That's So I don't... I'm the worst person to ask. I played one game. Oh, no, I played two. They, uh, they were always really intriguing to me. Did you ever play them? Yeah, they had, the stories had a lot of layer. I played of Symphony of the Night and Ca- Super <laughs> Castlevania 4. Like... Yeah, played Bloodlines, Symphony of the Night. You guys are um, Lord the, Shadows. No, I didn't play any of the 360 games. I think those I, cool. I, I think I played some of the first Lord of Shadows. I, I think I own it. I, I don't remember if I sold it or those are the whatever. Kojima but, ones, right? Yeah, yeah, they looked cool. They looked really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know Netflix is doing a lot of game stuff. They also announced The Witcher this week. Yeah, that they're going to do a Witcher uh, series. I saw the trailer for the Castlevania game. It's an anime. Um, you know. I'm not a huge anime fan. There are like some things I enjoy, like Back on Titan. Yeah, I, I think, don't know. I wish that it was in. Is it in at all? Remotely, kind of the art style for all of the promo work. Uh, it, it looks like a anime? basic anime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it looks very nice. Like, like it looks good. how hard it is it in this day and age to like, um, like adopt a unique art style. Like, if you... You know what I mean? Like, My guess is they just keep this, paying the same artist. This is literally you know? your typical anime. Style. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Because the, all the, like, the box art and promo art for Castlevania games... They're like, always cool, yeah. Like, it's like, it's anime-ish, but everyone's, like, really pale and the colors yeah. are really wispy and stuff like that. Yeah. Why can't they just make a show that, like, why can't it look like that? Yeah. Like, why does it have to look like... I think it's because, yeah, I was reading this on Kotaku recently, anime people get paid so little money that most of them do, like, five different shows at the same mm-hmm. time. My guess is they're just hiring like a similar team that's already doing like a bunch of other shows. So yeah. I, I don't know. I am less interested now that I saw the trailer. I was originally hoping it was going to be live action. I think that's they said anime, but I'm still hoping The Witcher will be live action. But I'm assuming it will also be CGI or anime. It's stupid not to make The Witcher live action. I'm almost positive they're not. I'm pretty sure really? I read that it's going to be CGI or anime. It's, it's or weird because the. The creators of the game don't have anything to do with the Witcher. Yeah, it's just the, the author, the guy who wrote the books. And because I, I almost wouldn't be surprised if he sold it to Netflix because he made so little money because he was an idiot on uh, the games. Because yeah, he's, he's so bitter about that too. Well, yeah, it's his fault. He hated video games, so he yeah. sold them the license or whatever for like nothing with no royalties. Or he sold it not for nothing. He sold it for a decent price, but he didn't want any royalties because he just wanted to get his money and leave. Because like video games aren't important. I'm stupid. Uh. Uh, whatever that guy sucks and uh we'll see how the witcher is i've heard the books are cool so i'm hoping it's a cool show netflix has is just like literally shotgunning shows out now so i don't know that's the super bs games cast available today on all humanica media outlets thanks for checking out the pcc you know the pop culture cosmos we'll be back in one moment 
Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Check it out. Every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. And we're back for the Pop Culture Cosmos show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening out there. We thank you so much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos scene. If you have any questions to ask us at all at any time, or if you have a great topic, or you want to appear as a guest on the show, you're always welcome. You can just give us a holler as they say, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or Humanica Media, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. We just want to let everybody know that, again, that I have such a profound love for the Uncharted series, my favorite series in of all of video games, and uh, quite frankly, I think also the best narrative span in entire gaming history and just truly has created a wonderful experience from from beginning to the end. And just I'm just truly thankful for the series indeed. And I'm hoping it does return in some form or fashion down the road. But most likely it will return in some form or fashion on the big screen as finally things are starting to roll in regards to an Uncharted movie. And I know, Josh, you heard the news recently that Uncharted has finally found a Nathan Drake. But people were saying maybe Ryan Reynolds, and then they were saying maybe Channing Tatum, maybe some other, you know, top superstars like that. Well, it, it seems to be uh, someone that's very now much in the forefront of pop culture, and definitely somebody that's going to be a star of a hit movie this summer. But it's actually someone a little bit different than what we were thinking of at the time, because Tom Holland, well, the star and Spider Man of Spider-Man Homecoming is actually going to play Nathan Drake if and when, which now looks more and more likely by the day, it's going to be a when Uncharted finally hits the screens. People are saying, wow, how he, he's a little bit young for the role, isn't he? Well, if it's not if you base it, which they are, they're basing it off of if in Uncharted 3, if you, if you play Uncharted 3, there's a segment of the game that goes back in time and creates when characters Nathan Drake was younger and the first time he met up with his mentor, Sully. And I'll tell you what, it was actually, to me, I thought about it, I was kind of upset at first, but thinking more about it and seeing how he could really grow into the role and grow into an older Drake 10 years down the line, seeing where that can go, I think it actually is a pretty good maneuver. So Josh Peterson of Humanica Media, what are your thoughts on Tom Holland becoming the next Nathan Drake? I'm indifferent about it. I I love the games, but I, I don't really... The movie's just kind of one of those things that's just been like dangling out in front of me for so long that I just kind of lost because interest it's been, in it. Because it's been in development hell for almost 10 years. Yeah, for a really long time. But as for Tom Holland, I at first I was kind of like, how? why are you telling an origin story if you're trying to bring new... Because really only people who have played the game are going to be into it. If you want to get people into a, a basically what they're probably going to market as a new Indiana Jones, you're going to want to jump right into 
you know, an Indiana Jones-ish adventure instead of going into an origin tale. So I guess it all depends on how the story's written and what they're, what they're doing with it. I, I don't want it to be like uh, the dynamic between Indiana Jones and uh, shortstop in Temple of Doom, because that'd be kind of annoying, but no, but I'm hoping that they will go and, and mirror somewhat the, uh, the segment in uncharted three Drake's deception, where it does show the beginning of the relationship between a, a young Nathan Drake. And like I said, his mentor, Sully Victor Sullivan. Right. So, I mean, I, we don't know anything about the story right now. So, I mean, cause they also have that scene with the young Nathan Drake and uncharted Four. So, I mean, they could probably mix some of that in there too, but like I said, it all depends on what they're going to do with the character and how old Tom Holland is when that happens. Uh, and really it, my question is, can he pull off the character? It's not so much the problem that they cast him. It's that he doesn't really have any, uh, I guess. He's got to have those fingers. Maybe he's got He's got to have the fingers to, lang- the hand, finger you know, to hang on a little. Well, he's already Spider-Man, I guess, so that works. But does he have the the acting chops to pull off, like, the, the quick wit and the sarcasm and the, uh, you know, just the whole attitude of Nathan Drake? That's why I, I thought that I didn't like the idea of Mark Wahlberg, but I was like, you know, he could probably pull that part off. But I think it's also an issue of age where they were sat down and they said, well, how do we really want to chart this out? Do we really want to start off with an actor in their 40s? and then try to see if he can still hang off ledges in his 50s. If Uncharted does decently enough, if they, if they make, a, make it at a budget that's reasonable and, and try to make it a, a venture worth taking for general audiences that actually can do very well, you're talking about a long-running series over the course of 10, 15 years, and maybe that means starting from Tom Holland in his early 20s to having him hit his late thirties with four or almost five, maybe five uh, uncharted movies that could be made during that period of time. Do you know what they should do is have Tom Holland act, but anytime they need to have him speak, have Nolan North do the voice for him. (laughs) Uh, Definitely. That would be great. I I like that indeed because Nolan North, the voice of Nathan Drake and and all the previous uncharted is definitely uh, is beloved by, uh, by pretty much every gaming fan out there for his role as Nathan Drake. So definitely something uh that you know obviously we were looking forward to as a whole i know you said you're kind of indifferent on it but i think you're just like i said it's been so long since uncharted was announced being in development it's been in several stages where directors have come and gone writers have come and gone there's so many names have been attached to it that it's it's people have almost forgotten about it in a sense but now that it looks like it's coming closer to the finish line of something being done and then going into production, actual production, I, I have high hopes for it. And, and obviously, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going to develop the Uncharted series. But I think that's what they're looking at is a long-term potential for the series. So that's why I think they went for Tom Holland because of his age as opposed to going for a traditional name star I was like I said, my odds were on Ryan Reynolds. I thought that was personally my my choice for doing the role, but obviously they want to go even younger than that, indeed, which is fine if they go ahead and make, like you said, a quality adventure story to follow and also keep going after every three four years to make it something that long term fans want to come and see again and again and again. 
What are your thoughts on Tom Holland playing Nathan Drake in the upcoming Uncharted movie? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanican Media, then also Game Source and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well, indeed. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening out there. Josh Peterson, what's going on this week with Humanican Media? Uh, new Super BS, got a couple of them, new Topic Ocalypse, and a new uh, What About This coming at you on Monday. So all that and more, so stay tuned. Thank you, Josh Peterson, the Humanican Media Indeed. We truly appreciate it. And thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your listening experience right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos Show Indeed. So, Josh, I know you've you've heard the news, the unfortunate news, about Zack Snyder and also his wife stepping away from director and producer roles with the upcoming Justice League movie. And also Joss Whedon stepping in, which everybody knows is familiar with in the pop culture world as the director of the Avengers. He is stepping in to put, I guess, the the finishing touches and and post-production for the Justice League movie as well. I heard some rumors as well recently of some reshoots, extensive reshoots being done for the movie as well. So I want to get your thoughts on Zack Snyder stepping away from the Justice League movie. Uh, it's very unfortunate. It's due to family reasons. Unfortunately, there was a death in the family that they, there's just no two ways around it. There's, there's obviously priorities that you need to take care of within the family realm that obviously take precedent. So he had to step away from the Justice League movie. Your thoughts at this late stage about him stepping away, and obviously what does that say for prospects for the Justice League movie coming up? Honestly, my bigger concern is Zack Snyder's and his daughter. I feel like this, you know, one more thing happening in the realm of uh, people killing themselves, and I think that mental health is a conversation that needs to be had. And and you've had that already on the What About This podcast. It's also been mentioned on our site and articles on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. It is a very serious issue as well. And obviously what happened to Zack Snyder's daughters is truly tragic indeed. I know as someone who has two daughters, it would definitely affect me in the same way. And, and it just truly just makes me sad that, that something something like this would happen. And obviously it the the movie it becomes pushed to the side it has to obviously taking care of the, for family reasons right right and it's like we, we've reached a point in society where we can have these long drawn out debates about race gender sexuality but nobody's talking about an issue that actually could kill you that is actually dangerous to people's lives and i'm you know while it's you know i guess it's all well and cool that joss whedon's taken over the justice league i feel like me saying hey yeah i think i that's awesome is like me is like being disrespectful to you know, the death that occurred in the Snyder family, because 
in order for Joss Whedon to have taken over, it would mean, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but like, yeah, it, it, the, the, I'm sure the movie will be great. Joss Whedon's taken over, but it's just the mental health thing, man. It's like, yeah, first Chris Cornell and now this, and we, we need to, as a society, we need to sit down and have a conversation about this and try to definitely do something to change it. So, I mean, as, as someone who has a son and, and two daughters that, I hope we'll lead fantastic lives and, and hopefully nothing will ever happen to them in this room or hopefully they'll never have to feel like they go down that road. What do you think needs to be brought out more as far as this, this serious problem? Because obviously it affects people of all ages. It affects people of all economic realms. And obviously lately we've heard it happening to you know the famous, the infamous, and and obviously the movie elite and music elite as well. Right. And it, it's something that we need to stop sensationalizing it. We need to stop using it in shows and movies. And yes, if, if you're going to use it, have it be in a way that encourages conversation. You know, my whole spiel against 13 reasons why and how it's an incredibly dangerous show, but really we need to do it in a way that doesn't, like does not create false sympathy because people are uncomfortable with other people's pain because they're not very good at dealing with their own. So we need to stop creating uh, false sympathy. We need to encourage a society or a system that encourages others to have conversations and not because they watched a Netflix show, not because they read an article written by a nutritionist online about how to battle depression. We need to actually hey, this is an issue we need to have a conversation about, we need to talk about, it. we need to prevent it, we need to find all these ways to uh, reach out to people. Like we, like I said, like the whole thing, like we can have this these hour-long debates that don't go anywhere and people over like race and gender and all that stuff and people will fight for it like it's life and death. But when it comes to something that actually is life and death, we all we get is what, a Netflix show and a some tributes? Like it's not... It's just not going where it needs to go. Yeah, they're finally talking about it. There's, it's, it's there, but it's just it has a long road to go before people actually start taking it seriously. Couldn't agree with you more. It is something as a society we do need to take more seriously. What are your thoughts out there on Zack Snyder leaving the Justice League for family reasons? Let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Let us know if Joss Whedon taking over respectively for Zack Snyder is the move you would make as well at this point in time. It's just, you're trying to do the best you can out of a bad situation. Let us know your thoughts. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well. Pop culture cosmos, humanica media and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Game Source is your number one source for everything video games. Each week we bring you the best of the video gaming world from sites all over the internet. Like us today on Facebook or follow us today at Game Source and you'll stay up with the latest in information and news, plus also about all the great things we're doing on our Game Source Facebook, Twitter, and Game Source YouTube pages. Stay up to date with the video gaming world right here at Game Source. And we're back. We truly appreciate you being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos show, the number one rated show for three straight months now on the Podcast Radio Network. You're truly blessed. We truly thank you, the listener out there, for making it so. And, and hopefully we can continue to provide good content for you so that you'll keep listening week after week. 
and our sister show, The PCC Multiverse, every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. If you can't catch either one of those programs on its first airing, don't worry. It's available for download at any point in time on iTunes, TuneIn, Overcast.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, and the Gunna Geek Network as well. And we also say hello to our brand new, our latest, latest affiliate, Ace Podcast Network. And you can check us out there as well on the Ace Podcast Network. And we truly appreciate them allowing us into their scheduling indeed. So it's just awesome to be a part of the Ace Podcast Network and all of our great downloadable outlets and when you do download our shows we try to add on a great podcast right after on the download as well i want to ask one last question before we end it for tonight's show have you got a chance to check out microsoft's new plan on trying to be a better streaming service than twitch the service called mixer yeah i'll I, I checked it out. I saw that they're doing their, uh, you know, the four-player co-op streaming, which sounds like a good idea. But honestly, like, I'm I'm not very interested in it. I, I You know, a streaming service is cool. I think it's a good idea. I think it'll, especially since digital content is a wave of the future, I think it'll do really well. But it, it, to me, personally, as a, as a gamer, I probably won't use it. But I think that the four-player co-op uh, streaming is a great idea because it, there's not a lot of, not really any services that do something like that. And most of us who... Uh, know stream gameplay or we make gaming videos we have to go and edit all that stuff into it so it's it, it's cool to have that just open up on the platform like that we'll just we'll see how popular it is though and i actually think that's a great idea and a great concept as well it's a long time in coming i know twitch being the standard bearer for streaming audiences with with also youtube trying to get into the fray and, and so many other entities that's great and all and good but i know that that also Microsoft was quick to also point out and stress that their streaming will be live as opposed to the 10 to 20 second delay that other streaming services have that I know that that's what they were truly trying to emphasize as well. I don't know about the long term. I think it'll be great for PC and and Xbox One streamers, but more importantly as well with with over 70 million units out there, the PS4, that's a, a little bit of a fun thing to talk about because there you go. You, PS4 is unwilling to put at any time in the near future any service represented by Microsoft. So when you're leaving 70 million players out of it as far as the capability to stream via the share button on that service, it's always going to become at second rate to Twitch and Twitch can always upload and modify their services to match or be a very, very close comparison to whatever's being offered by Mixer. So even if Mixer is ultimately the better service down the road, it's going to be hard to translate all those gamers that are playing all those games on Mixer when they can't do it because they have a PS4 or Nintendo Switch. Uh, yeah, I mean, the cross-platform thing is definitely an issue, but, you know, like I said, this is Microsoft's thing, and I I, I know that it's cross-platform between Xbox and PC, right? So, um, you know, I guess it's up to Nintendo and PlayStation to come up with something that will uh, compete with those things. Well, I don't think PlayStation really has to, because they could just throw Twitch out there for them, and Twitch is the largest service and already has a user base, you know, that's so grand indeed. When you can stream just by using the share button and instantly go on Twitch with with a matter of seconds, 
like I said earlier, with updates, I think really the Twitch service can be modified to be something closely remedied, whether or not you can get all those Twitch users to migrate over to Mixer. That may be another story. Yes, a predominant amount of streamers are using PC and Xbox for their streaming service, especially PC. So maybe you can. We'll have to wait and see, especially how Twitch continues to go down more unfriendly roads regarding asking for more requirements as far as subscribing, asking for more requirements as far as payment, more watching commercials before you can actually watch their content. That may be the ultimate decider as far as whether or not people will stay on Twitch or whether they'll go on Mixer. So any final thoughts on Mixer itself? Is it something that you might be using down the road? I'm going to wait to see the reviews first and see how other people like it before I think about diving into it. Fair enough, indeed. What are your thoughts on Mixer? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Mannequin Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to episode 7 of What About This? Um, The topic for this week is shame. This topic came about because I'm about to be a father in about 6 months or so. Uh, Countdown is on and I'm kind of terrified. And that's an understatement. Um, And so I I was starting to think about how I wanted to raise my kid. And um, I, I just recognized that a lot of how parenting comes about is through shame. And so we use this as a jumping off point to get into where shame comes from and what shame is about and why shame exists. So we we hit on some topics, um, some things like embarrassment and and how we feel um, and how we project that onto other people, Um, how shame is really kind of the opposite of vulnerability and courage and how we want to to look at how we can use vulnerability and courage to sort of help people in their shame. We we ultimately kind of get back to this, this notion that we think shame comes from some of the early Genesis accounts, like Genesis in like Genesis 3, and we talk about that a little bit, but then Ryan takes us back a little bit further and sees how that's not the starting point. The starting point is the first couple chapters of Genesis and how we need to understand the truth of what those chapters say about how we are, um, how God looked at us and saw us as good, and then we move forward from there and how that can help us under, uh, overcome shame. Um, we also look at how ultimately shame is just about kind of feeling comfortable in your own skin, not having a, a uh, too high of a health, a health, uh, self-esteem or too low of a self-esteem, but just sort of a proper understanding of who you are. Um, and that 
we want to be able to begin to cultivate environments where people can be not who other people want them to be, but who um, they're they're supposed to be, um, and who who their true self needs to be. So um, we're really excited about this episode. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, follow us on all all the various social media outlets. So like I think we're at wat underscore podcast on Twitter. Follow us and like our page on Facebook. Um, and then also follow Humanity Media because they, they, they post all of our stuff as well. So again, we'd love to be in conversation with you all. So uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Today we're going to talk about shame, and we're going to talk about it in, in a couple different ways. Um, the way that I, I've been thinking about this, because um, I'm going to be a new dad in October, Amen. and I've been thinking about how I want to parent, and I've been thinking about how we as a society tend to parent, and, and I'll, I'll use one sort of example, and, and I'm sure everybody's either experienced this or something like this, um, So, and I forget where I hear this, I heard this, so if it's your story... <coughs> And you know, you heard it. I heard it from you. I apologize. Um, but so it's a it's a father, and his son is just getting to that age where he's starting to realize that his body is different, right? So he has a penis, right? So mm-hmm. and he's starting to explore it. And little boys, they do they, just because they they don't know any better. And so the little boy starts to sort of explore, play with his himself, and the father slapped the kid's hand away from his 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 private area and yelled yelled no in the kid's face so just slap no like a like a dog right and and i'm just thinking in my head like immediate complex that kid is never going to have a healthy relationship with his penis ever again yes because like, it's just he's just going to be ashamed of it the rest of his life <laughs> so my question is like that and that's and that's just one example we do it all the time where a lot of our parenting is based in shame and i'm not blaming parents i think it's natural i think there's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about but that's sort of what I want to talk about is why do we use shame to, to sort of raise... And, and again, for my own life, I, there are various moments I can think back and realize that part of the shame I have as an adult comes from these specific well, moments. And, and, it's, and I'm not blaming anything. And to make like a anybody. disclaimer is, is there, there's no blaming going on as much as explaining going Right, on. exactly. And so in that story, the moment that happened, he introduced shame into his son... Right. From the most important voice with his mother, right? Mm-hmm. The most important voices mm-hmm. in his life in which he's learning, he's figuring out how to be human. And so so in that moment, he introduces shame into his son's life before anything else because there's going to be enough shame outside of the home. <laughs> and he just goes, inside of here, be ashamed. Well, but even, I would say, like, maybe even say it was in the public. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the situation. Same in the grocery store, if I have a boy. I don't know yet. 
Um, but I have a boy, and, and my, my little son just drops his pants and starts playing with himself. Like, I might do that because I'm going to be so embarrassed that that's happening in mm. public. My son doesn't. My son wouldn't know any better because he doesn't get the social like yeah. convention of not playing with yourself in public. But me as the parent, I'm going to be so embarrassed and shamed my, ashamed of myself that I'm going to do that. So I'm not even saying I would be better than that. I'm which just is, saying like that's which what is, about where that, is that? Which, which yeah. is where does that come from? Which is which we just is, got to another step here. Yeah. So we go. We keep going, right. and it goes back to not blaming our parents or parenting as much as generations of. Be- Parents being taught by parents, being taught by right. parents, and mm-hmm. passing down, is, and this shame culture continues to perpetuate. Is it a subconscious thing, though, or is it something that we actually witness our parents doing, and then we're like, okay, that would be the proper way to I, do it? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think what we're getting at here is um, that, and parenting is just a simple example of this happens yeah. in, in every uh, social interaction, but... It's almost like wounded people wound people, mm-hmm. right? right? So, so people who have shame, a lot of shame that they're carrying around, which is all of us to an extent, yes, uh, project that shame on, onto other people. So the, the parenting style of, of yeah. shame just mm-hmm. shows what that that you've got your own shame things that right exactly. Out, right? Well, I'm gonna I, and I'm gonna definitely be uh, poorly quoting Brene Brown this whole <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Perfect. But to answer Josh's question is. Actually, the research shows that we we learn shame from our parents. And so as we're learning to be human growing up from the time we uh, exit the womb, if you will, is when we see our parents shaming themselves, mm. we are learning how to see ourselves the way they see themselves. Mm. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so she would say... Is yes, we do live in a shame based culture, we all deal with shame, but like Ryan said, it's not just in the home, it's in the classroom, it's on the right. field, it's, mm. it's 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 everywhere. It's, I mean, you uh, everyone's had that that teacher <clears throat> that when they say like there's no wrong answers or feel free, and then you say and they condescendingly rebuttal, right? You have those teachers, I can't stand those teachers, the teachers that that they you actually feel safe. You, you, you feel free to be yeah. vulnerable in yeah. the classroom, right. but you're already, at especially, you know, there's a difference between a first grade classroom and, right. a, and, a, and a classroom in college. Right. And you have all these insecure people walking around because they're so afraid, and there's a fear element here with the shame. I'm afraid in, in the right. grocery store to see my kid drop his pants and what are people going to think of me? Right. Once again, we're worried, yeah. we're consumed with how will I be presented to the public? What kind of parent has a child who would drop his pants? Every parent does yeah. who has a four-year-old because they're going, woo you know, and they don't, they don't <laughs> care because yeah. they're, they're not socially aware. Right. And so we have these crazy expectations mm-hmm. on children in which they're just the victims. Yeah. They're the victims in our insecure society. Right. And so, yeah. so you get it, you get in the classroom and the kid goes, all right, all right, I'm going to be vulnerable. Meaning I'm going to be, as Brene Brown says, there's no such thing as vulnerability without courage. And in any example of courage, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And she, she speaks to um, uh, a military. And a courageous act always is always has the layer of vulnerability. You're exposing yourself. You're putting yourself out there. Think about think about the shame of going and asking someone to asking someone to a dance or to, to coffee or a slice of pie if you grew up in the 50s. Right? <laughs> is is Man, you are you're putting yourself out there, and then when you get rejected, you mm-hmm. feel less than, though you shouldn't feel less than. There you we just, go. So, so 
where the question is, no one would disagree that shame is present everywhere. Even even as we talk about this topic, there's like a shame about talking about shame <laughs> yeah, involved, right. right? So the question is, and Trav, you're getting to it, is like why? Where where did this shame? Right. If 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 we can trace it back, like why is our culture so? Um, why does everyone feel so ashamed all the time of, of, mm-hmm. about everything that's going on? So I think that's that's kind of our starting point. Which is why we're today. constantly performing, right? Right. Yes, yes. So the, those performance are just a symptom of feeling ashamed. Right. So my question is, where does that shame come from? Yeah, I, well, I mean, if, if we, <laughs> I guess I'll just go there, is if we're going to go from the Christian worldview, mm-hmm. yeah. we go the shame of... of hide right the secret Adam, right yeah, yeah. yeah. the whole the, the garden the fallenness and ever since then we have been what hiding behind our right. mistakes yeah right. hiding behind the lack of what we perceive as perfection and so yeah. perfectionism is illusory well, it's it's yeah. you can't not you cannot achieve that yeah. and so even the person that is suffering from perfectionism is what are they doing they are trying to build a wall or a you know a facade and so that you cannot see mm-hmm. the truth about who they are because they're afraid of who they are yeah and and she would even argue that um, we actually are the biggest shamers in our own lives yeah right I, I would wonder even in the so i think in the if you're looking at the genesis account we would obviously point to the moment where um, adam and eve recognize their nakedness right and they yeah. start to cover themselves up but i wonder if you would even push it back one step further to where the deceiver, the serpent, says, you don't know enough. Right. Mm-hmm. This good. this tree represents what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And Eve and Adam standing right next to her like, I don't? Like I don't know enough? Like What is that? And then that so pride. so this pride, yeah. it's this pride, it's this idea of I think there's something that, that, that we believe we start to believe this lie about ourselves and we take that lie to be true. So it's not even that we um, we Okay, so keep going with that. We take yeah. that lie to be true. Therefore, right. what do we do? So we, so if we're going to believe the lie, we will do anything to circumvent the lie. Yes, yes. right. And so yes. that's so they that's ate the they, apple, even though they knew right. that that wasn't going to help. That wasn't really the point, right? Or well, or, I mean, Eric then, Mason said, Doctor Eric Mason says this. He said, did they fully understand the gravity of the decision that they made? But that is irrelevant to your point. Right. Of exactly. Going. So go back to your point. What you were saying about. The I I don't I don't know right is it is this our perception like other people's perception of us that's well that was we the first time I would say if you look at it it's the first time that either mm-hmm. Adam or Eve heard like listened to a voice about themselves that was not based in truth not only a voice a lie right, right. but that's oh, what yeah, I mean not that based yeah, in yeah. Truth. yeah sorry so so yeah. it's the yeah. first time so before that we don't have much account in the Genesis account right so. Meaning before that, like what their interaction with God was like, but we can imagine that they that was pretty good. It was healthy. It was God was telling them about themselves, and the minute they listened to someone else tell them who they were, that wasn't based in truth, wasn't the source of truth. Then they started to feel less than. To Ryan's point earlier, yes, and shame finds root in less than thinking. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. So, so eating the fruit, right. Sewing the fig leaves together. Right. And then, of course, then it proceeds to, then your eyes are open to certain parts of you. Because, again, remember when yeah. God says, well, who told you that you were naked? Yeah. Yeah. Right? It wasn't because he knew that they didn't know that they were naked on their own. Yeah. Yes. He said, who told you 
that. So going back to raising kids, who told you that? Who right. who caused? I was at a buddy's house uh, and we saw his son experience like an embarrassment and a shame. Mm. And I went, no, you're too little. Right. <laughs> you're too, yeah. like, and no one shamed him. Right. No one shamed yeah. him. And it was just this weird, so then I kind of wondered, like, man, is it just in the air? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like is it just, because yeah. in, in fact, there was only an encouragement happening. Right. And then we get put on, and then it's almost like this subconscious thing right. happening. And, and, if, and if you want to even go, Biblical, you fast forward to Jesus and in, in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. And he's yeah. done nothing in his ministry. And in that moment, Henry Nowen um, would say, right, is at, at the subconscious level and at the conscious level, we're always asking, who am I? And he says, the problem is we constantly answer that question in a wrong way. And he says, it's the greatest spiritual task that we, and he says one of the most difficult things to master is to live out of who we are, that we are enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, you just made an incredible point. So double back real quick. You're saying that, that Jesus, before he even started his ministry, yes. right? So, so before he fed all the people, before he healed mm-hmm. all the people, before yes. all of that, before he went to the cross, before all of that, the father looks at him and says, this is my son with who I am. Well, well please. This is my son in which you're enough simply because you exist. Yes. Therefore, he has the foundation of who he is, so he doesn't have to pose and to kind of Perform. see as Lewis, right? It's, yeah. oh, I'm a good boy. Look at me. Look yeah. at me. And, and so you, you right. see him enter into that, and it's this idea of I know who I am, and if I know who I am and I'm okay with who I right. am, you cannot shame me. Because you cannot take away the fact that I actually matter, that my existence is enough, not my performance. Right. And so all of a sudden, the reason we perform is because we have to prove to ourselves, really. Uh, and, and then therefore, if I can prove it to myself and everyone, and I use you, right. I use you, I project onto you so that I can get to, my, to myself and go, yes, you are enough, Travis. Yes. I, I love this because this plays into... Uh, really what it means to be a human. So if you're listening to this and you think uh, the Christian worldview is full of it, or even right. if you, you don't Absolutely. agree with the Adam Eve yeah. account, or whatever, everybody understands as humans that um, there is something inside of us that feels like they're not enough. Mm-hmm. Feels like they have to achieve a certain amount of things in order to, to hit this like standard of peace or whatever, which by the way, never comes. And so we have to just keep adding and adding and adding. So what we're saying is the Adam and Eve account, it's, it's, um, practical and it's good and makes a lot of sense to say, well, maybe this is our way of explaining when human beings went from being humans that could just be Mm -hmm. right with each other, with, um, with the world, with God, with the creator, with whoever to, Oh shoot! I'm not enough, right. and so I have to do, right. do, 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 do. So, be- so, so, be- go ahead. Because I think a lot of people, and especially for those of the listeners out there that may struggle with the Christian faith, or just may be outright against it, right? Yeah. Sure. What if you look at the Genesis account? The shame does not come from God, right? It comes from some internal dissonance huh. between what. Huh. You know to be true about yourself and what someone else has told you to be true about yes. yourself. Yes. So here's, oh. what I, here's what I think is interesting is that shame, 
Because why don't we accept, why accept it then, Keith? Well, but let me just be completely transparent about this with, from our perspective, from the Christian. The church, the Christian church historically has also not been good at this, right? Okay. Yeah. Much of our modern American shame, I will even say much of our modern American shame comes from the very strict Puritan tradition that mm. started the country, which we can get into later. I just want to say that, like, yes, let's even acknowledge that some of this does come from certain systems of power that we're used to control. Let's even acknowledge that. That's not necessarily the point, ultimately, because that they are they used a system that was already existing. They used shame in people that people had anyway, right? So we can we can talk about the abuse of shame at another point. Like well, or, the, or, the, or, the, or, the, or shame as a motivator, or shame as a motivator, whatever. Like we can talk about that. But yeah. that, so if you're if you're sort of yelling at the at your, whatever however you're listening to, if you're yelling at the, the your radio or your don't phone, yell at your computer. That's right. weird. <laughs> if you're yelling at that, fine. Like we we might we can probably talk about that at some point today. But let's start with this. What I just said that it is some sort of internal dissonance. Shame yes. is essentially yeah. this this tension between who you know yourself to be on some deep level. And who you've been told you are, even if not directly, um, even if it's not in the air, it's 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 to, to Travis point. It is yeah. in the air a little bit. And 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 then so the question is though, even this dissonance about what is true about me, mm-hmm. or I know to be true about me, versus what you are projecting onto me, or whatever is going on, or I actually look out and I, I begin to compare myself um, to somebody who mm-hmm. I I esteem, and I go, I'm not that. I'm less than that. And you can even project that onto yourself, right. right? Is why do we? Is it because it via the Christian worldview is because uh, we're fallen and so we fall victim to believing lies yeah. about ourselves? And I, I guess like why do we? Why why do we accept it? Is it simply because we're well, fallen and, and we're prone to let, accepting that? Let me ask you a question though, because now you've got my mind thinking. Is uh, how many people are aware that they are ashamed? How many people see their shame as uh, unfulfillment based on society and their friends, what everybody else is doing, and they're like, man, I wish I could be doing that. And then we start, we market off of it. We make self-help books. We have these oh. like philosophy posters, and it's like, how many people are truly aware of their no shame? One. I'm going to say something yeah. that's probably going to be to ruffle some feathers out there, maybe even on the side that a different sort of audience that I just addressed a few minutes ago. Um, I think of much of modern capitalism is based on shame. Mm. It, it absolutely, right. It absolutely. I, right. And I, meaning nobody's aware of the, right. The shame I don't think anybody's aware, so but like when, why, when because, why, because so, this, it, what is, what is, what is, what is it? What is, how do they market? So like, you don't have, you don't have this and you're yeah. not, and you're not and as if good. You don't have, you okay, so, so right. yeah. Renee Brown says this is shame promotes the fear of unworthiness of never being right. enough. Nor being worthy of having enough. That's so right. good. So, so you, shame so you see the fear. You see the commercial with the lady washing the dishes with the certain soap, and you go, "Oh, I'm, I'm not enough until My, I have that." Not only that, it's even worse than <laughs> that. <laughs> it's not even worse. <laughs> you, know it's, it's, soap you know what's even this, you know what's even weirder is like in in your mind. Then in your mind, you think. Here's what that message is really telling you. Your dishes are dirty. Yeah. You're dirty. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which some people are like, if my dishes are dirty, level, yeah. I am dirty. I am not as good. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, They're dirty dishes. Like, who so, cares? So now, so now you see this. You now you, you see this in parenting even. Right. And you go, it's the embarrassed parent. The parent right. that is explaining their wild child or their crazy. And what we do is, and, and I, I hate this, and, and, and I am a father now. Um, so, you know, our kids yeah. can hang out, man. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think about this is I I cannot stand, and I understand, but I cannot stand with like, oh, this is Johnny. He's my wild one. Yeah. You just named him. 
Right. This is Su- <laughs> this is Susie. He, she's my shy one. She's timid. She, yeah, she or she's rambunctious, and you're so, like. So here's, like, here's what I would say. I thought she was Susie. <laughs> right. Which is it? So here's what I would find interesting about this, because this is where you do get into some really interesting territory with parenting, especially, which is kind of where we started. Is how do you um, learn, uh, get to know your kid, and get to know and know the personality and ins and outs and the subtleties yeah. and all that without naming them and sort of boxing them in, because. Naturally, you're going to notice. Oh, this what this this kid, my kid, you know, Susie is a little shy. Yeah. I'm not saying you introduce her as like the shy one, <laughs> yeah. but but how do you do that? Because there is going to be some, and I think this is where it becomes much more difficult as a parent. Because yeah. and this is why I would never, I don't want to blame parents, or because again, well, I'm, no, we're not. We're I'm going to make this. I'm yeah. going to. I'm just going to say this. I'll say it, and it's going to be on the record, and people can play this back to me. 20 years from now when my kid's a wreck. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> but you heard it I'm going to make mistakes. Absolutely. My kid will have some sort of shame, probably as a direct result of something I do. Yes. Right? So let's just say that. Right. But how do you sort of get to know your kid and talk to your child about like who they are without introducing these very specific things? Because I'll tell you this. Um, last weekend, we were up at the... We were uh, at a men's retreat and I was sharing my my story and a lot of my identity growing up was in being the smart one. So, so let's talk about that, right? So, so what you were saying is it's not necessarily a negative description as much as a positive description. And, and so you go, little Johnny smart, little Susie smart. And they go, I'm smart. I have to live up to smart. Right. And so what ends up happening is, is I I hate this. You're, uh, you know, I hear parents, you know, he's better than that. And I go, maybe he's not. And that's okay. And that's okay. And so when you learn your, here's my whole deal is, you know, even in marriages, you gotta, you gotta commit to getting a doctorate in your spouse. Right. And so is we have a lack of interested humans on Mm. this planet. And in a digital age, in an age of media, we are losing our spirit and losing our soul. And Sherry Turkle speaks about this a lot. Social psychologist, I believe in that what, 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 what media, what technology has actually done is the converse of what it, it, what it, what it set out to do was to free us up to be creative and to think. And it's killing our creativity. Right. And it's also killing our interest in others. Right. And then you have the Western individualistic kind of narrative that it's you, like, right, Keith, you talk about how the, the literature even and everything around it is you become the hero in your own story. Right. So I'm very disinterested in people now because of that. Now i got to take ownership. And you're saying, how does a parent take ownership of knowing, I know this. I know I'm going to screw my kid up on some regard. But that shouldn't stop us from going, I'm not going to. I'm going to do everything right. that I can. Right. And so instead of me going, oh, so I'm going to play football. And I go, but he can't throw catch or run he's 5'2 yeah. like what, that's not yeah. gonna happen yeah, yeah. And, and sorry girls yeah I know man I'm working on it <laughs> um, I'm late bloomer and, and I go what if he's good at chess that's good right and because yeah. we're not interested in others right. we're only interested in ourselves what ends up happening is you have parents that are disinterested in their kids because they like you know reading versus the pigskin you know yes. and you go whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Yeah. that's a problem Right. Because you can't have a right. bunch of CEOs. So stop trying to make your kids something that they don't need to be. Yeah, Start right. investing in the person so, that they are and learn who they are. And then you encourage. Right. And, put, and then sometimes you're going to have to encourage and One push and, right. and put your foot down, but not shame them into right. it and say, if you don't, how many families out there have the kid that were like, well, we expect that from them. 
But we don't, don't expect, expect that from the younger, the younger siblings. He's never right. go, no, he's just too smart that he never got good grades because he, he saw his older sibling get reamed yeah. right. for not ma- reaching their goals. And you go, Steve is good too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he's smart too. He could get the grades. He just learned the system. Right. And so now he doesn't have to live well, up to your only, outlandish expectations. Not only this, and this is something that we've talked, I've talked about with I think, each of the guys here on, in, on different occasions about, because again, I'm in higher education. And I think the higher education system is broken, to put it lightly. Um, so a lot of it, like, so we're pigeonholing these because I have kids regularly in my class that don't need to be in my class. And not because they're not smart enough to pass my class. Yeah. The, the talent that they have is not in analyzing the Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Right. Good. So, so yes. why, why am I, why am I, and this is even something I've had to question myself. Like, why am I participating in a system yeah. that I'm going to say does detriment to some of these students because they are forced to be in a system that doesn't produce excellence in them? Right. They're forced to fit into this, this certain structure that they don't thrive in, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so, and so they feel bad about themselves. Right. right, so they feel bad right. they can't pass my class or they don't do well in my class, mm-hmm. and I just want to take them aside and say, "It's fine. Like, I, it, you are not less to me because you don't do well in my class." Well, this gets back to us learning what we're good at and what we're not good at, right. and that doesn't make me less of right. a person, and it actually frees me up to be who I am. Right. And you're tapping into something great, and, you, and you're talking about the the. You're actually really, and I just read this book, most likely uh, to succeed, and it talks about the history of education. Right. And it's not so much that even the way education is today, and I know that I know you're you're walking the fine line, but is is we haven't caught up to what's happening right. in culture and society as a whole. Right. So our education system was once built for a time that right. it, it was important and now we're we're, we're trying right. to play catch up yeah. and we can get into the big business right. of it but but aside from that is let's just go at it is it's not as effective right. because of where culture society is taking us mm-hmm. via technology and whatever and so we, we're behind in how in creating and cultivating environments for our children mm-hmm. to be to be capable of, yeah. of cre- creativity and, 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 and I don't want to get into yeah. too much because I hope to do a future episode we'll do a whole on, on, the higher, yeah, on education absolutely. systems and all that. So I don't yeah, want to spend yeah, yeah. too much time on this. But I do think it's interesting that that – it doesn't – because I think we I, – I was thinking about this originally in terms of parenting, especially young kids. But it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when they hit 10 or no. 5 or – 15. Yeah. Like, even if I'm not the one doing it, it's still a system that they have to do. It's still a thing they have to deal with, this idea of shame and being... So, anyway. Um, yeah, I, so this... I wanted to go back to a point. Your, your point, you were talking about lack of interested people. Yeah, well, I, I think when we get into it is... is um, the, I, I see this all the time working with the high schoolers is the comparison trap, right? Mm-hmm. They call, We're constantly comparing ourselves. And whether we're we're being compared to our siblings, maybe right. right. Let's right. just say let's just yeah. we'll, we'll attack everything. Yeah. You're, you're being compared to your classmates, and you're like, dude, I'm just not good at math. Right. And so in our society, we go, oh, man. And then you have this one kid, right? I remember <laughs> I was I was dating someone who had a friend who just never got less than an A. Just book smart. Found out I was a kinesiology major, and said, oh, he's he's gonna he, he's he's gonna be a psychic. And I said, oh my gosh. 
Oh, oh my gosh. So what, 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 even getting into education, Keith just took off his glasses. And, and so, and so uh, yes, I know. I took my invisible ones off too. I was like, yo, what? And so I went, wait, who's, who's smart here? Right, because yeah. you learn textbook, or so we're different people. Yeah, right. And it's and it's letting that book smart person know that they're not so great at other things, and that's okay. But right. in that realm, they look down on people because they can't get straight. And so this is part. But of the, the reason right. that they're looking down on people is because they're scared to death because they know that they're not right. good at that other stuff. So yes. they're right. It's they're a defense mechanism against that. it. It's a defense yeah. mechanism. So if we could get to the point to to Keith's point where um, that person that shouldn't be reading Pilgrim's Progress with him can know that that person's really good at lots of other things that Keith right. isn't good at, right. why, which is why he's leading this lecture on Pilgrim's Progress. Right. Right. And exactly. it doesn't make either of you better than the other. It's just who you no. are, so be that. Right. Yes. Then I feel like the shame would start to be able to start to yeah. strip back these layers of shame and start right. to become who we, so, who we are. So, so shame, obviously, it's a, it promotes a fear of never being enough, right? right. It's to quote Brené Brown. Shame promotes a fear of never being enough. I think it's a byproduct of of not knowing that you're ever enough. Well, absolutely. But but the shame in and of itself is her argument is what promotes a when, fear. Right. Okay. Promotes yeah, the, fear. the feeling of so it. We it's not helping. Right. Right. It's not So what I get at is I go, I go, ever since a child is born, he constantly, and don't get offended because I'm going to use the father figure, but it's looked at, he looked at, he looked at, he looked at. Right. And we continue to say, looked at, he looked at, he looked at. It's a concept, right? Right. Yeah. We're doing it in our careers. And if we do it in our relationships. Look, babe. Look, yeah. sweetie. Look what I did. Look, coworker. Look, boss. Look, society. Look, neighbor. I got the boat. Look, look, Steve. Come yeah. over. And we want, we want to be the, because we want to be on top. And but we want to be more than. On another level, though, do you think the people that they're saying, hey, look, daddy, look, boss, that they, the people they're saying that to want that? They're like, want what? Oh, oh, they, oh they well, I want, think. They're like, yes, this guy wants my here's, approval. So here's I'm, why I Which think, is another form but of. But I would say, that. here's why I think that's the case because, okay, so uh, you, you do a good job. You want your boss to tell you do, you did a good job. The boss wants to have that because he wants to, to be able to say, my to, to use like a weird term my bosshood instead of my personhood my bosshood yeah. is important right. because if I'm not the boss yeah. then I'm not as good so, so my position has to mean something so I need my underlings I need my subordinates to look to me for approval because if they don't then it's an empty system that's good yeah. Right? Yeah. so, so, so it, both it, both pieces of the puzzle right. are rooted in shame right and Absolutely. that's what's causing yeah. this which this is a issue. great which is a great a great question right Josh is is yes Right. So it's it's a it's a vicious cycle. Yes. And and even you know you have I have kids breaking down over they feel like if they don't want to go to the next level of sports right. that they're less than because there has been coaches who are like well you want to go D one bro and you're like no I just want to play high school right. <laughs> is, that, is that okay just because you didn't make it yeah right. yes and, and and so then you have parents living through their children right. and they're obsessed with something yes. and it goes back to even these these things about like dude and kids feel. Kids right. feel when their parent, when their parents not fired up about what they're doing, and right. I would say, why aren't you fired about what your kids doing? Because you're just fired up about your kid, right? Right. Yeah. And so and so this fear of yeah. that 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 you know shame promotes fear, and so she gets into vulnerability, and she says vulnerability is neither good or bad, but I, I believe from, if, if I'm remembering right, is it is the means through which we're able to uh, we're able to put ourselves out there. And be mm-hmm. exposed to criticism, 
and a failure. Right. And so I, I, I make myself vulnerable. It's not a vulnerability, but see, vulnerability right. is defining our society's weakness. Right. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's a thing thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's neutral. Yeah. It's a thing that allows you to feel everything, right. to experience everything yeah. in its fullness and say, and live this wholehearted living, I think right. is to borrow her term again, is this, uh, shout out to Brendan Brown, is, right. is being able to accept failure and not attach it to your identity. Tim Keller's book on the uh, freedom of self-forgetfulness is, yeah. is the best book ever. And so, <laughs> and I, I need to read it every so often to remind myself that I'm both enough and that I'm super egocentric. <laughs> and, and going, the reason I have an ego and I need to keep feeling the ego as he borrows from the scriptures of Paul yeah. is the reason I need to fill my ego is because it's empty or my ego is filled up or it's, 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 it's overinflated. It's like a balloon. And he <laughs> says, Paul says it needs to be filled up right. by Jesus. Right. So for the, the Christian audience or even, but it's, is if it's filled up by anything that can be taken away from you, right. it's crushing, you know, and there's this beautiful quote by Madonna and, and Keller goes, you guys think that she's this narcissistic nut and he goes, no, she just knows herself better than you. She talked about how she's never going to be enough. She, she's realized through all of her accomplishments, through all of her things right. that, that it's never going to be enough. And Keller goes, you look at that and you go, gosh, are you kidding me? And, and he's making the point that, no, she's just way more self-aware right. than the rest of us because that's the exact same place that the rest of us are trying to get to. She just had enough life experience to get there sooner than a lot of people are able to get meditation. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and yeah. she does. She says she basically, she, 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 she fills the cupboard up every night, right? She goes and she has this epic performance. And you have 20 million people screaming your name and worshiping you. Yeah. And the next day... You have to go do it again because you need the applause <laughs> right. because you don't believe you're enough. And right there, what's she doing? She's she's shaming herself. Right. You see, and so that this is her point: yeah. is it, there's a constant shame from the outside that you accept, and then you begin to be your number one shamer. Yeah, it. uh, it's weird too because when we become aware of this like yeah. where it's almost already too late for us to make a change because mm-hmm. like you guys said it all starts back as uh you know where our parents start raising us like okay yeah it, it's so hard as an adult to change your mindset like yeah, you can right. read these books you can watch videos of people saying hey do this but it's so difficult to like you know that's turn, good. turn that off so let's talk about this a little so bit. that's the that's that's what what one person calls the inner voices that we have from a child right okay so so how do we start to change that narrative that we've believed about ourselves for 20 30 40 50 however however many years how do we once we see it and if you're listening to this maybe for the first time you're going oh that's why like, I do that <laughs> that's why that's why I do that what do we do with shame um, now that we can identify it, now that, now that we can see it, how do we start to get rid of it? So, so, so I'll just set it off as simple as this is, and, and I, I totally agree with this is to understand it mm-hmm. and then to articulate or verbalize. And, and that is what Brene Brown says right. is the key to undoing or to getting rid of yes. The shame because you go so, so many people know my story, but is I was abandoned at six months old by my father, mm-hmm. and thank God for mothers out there who are consistent, right, and stick mm-hmm. around. 
And so what I didn't realize, well, we, mm-hmm. we don't, like Josh said, we don't realize these things. They just become a part of who we are. Right. Yeah. And so I realized around the age 21, and it's funny because my mom would say, like, you're such a happy kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know? And, 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 and what was that? It was the anger was a mask for her. Right. And so I grew up feeling never enough because there's something I think within both a mother and a father and in my, in my, just in my personal research, so don't take this out, don't go freak out about this. In my personal research, there's something about a father in, in a daughter and a son's life that man just does something the same way mothers have this incredible thing about them in different stages right. of life that a, a, a man father right. cannot do right and so this is something i think that a father a, a, a man just has a, a, an innate quality and so i've never been that was an inner voice dude you're not enough and yeah. and i didn't have that guy <laughs> spurring me on i had a mom doing it but but i didn't have this i didn't that in and of itself and i finally figured this out in my early 20s ago oh and then I started to see i project onto you i make you in my relationships i'm like do you do you love me am i enough and it, right. boy, it really boils yeah. in up, but so Ryan, you're going, so how do we get around this? Well, I had to finally realize I did have a daddy issue, whereas you know what I used to say growing up? I don't need a dad. Mm. Everybody needs a dad. Right. <laughs> so yeah. so what, why did I say that? Yeah, right. Why did I say my mom is like a da- mom and a dad, which is actually weird and impossible? <laughs> my mom is not like a mom and a dad. She's like a mom, She's like a mom without yeah. a husband to help raise me. Yeah. And right. so I had to be honest about that pain which we live in a society we're not good about that and that's a vulnerable it's a vulnerable element in my life that i had to come to this place of vulnerability where i had to say i wish i had a dad so so here's i want to one of the ways and again so remember earlier when i said those people who are anti-christian yes this is might be where you might latch on to something but i want you to hang on with us and, and not turn off after i say this and say we won um because i think there's something in <laughs> some of the some of the way the christian church today approaches one of the theological concepts of original, of original sin because there's a way to teach that that produces more shame right yes. because essentially what the what the product what the, the theology of the doctrine of original sin essentially says all humans are bad yes. right Immediately we can think, yeah, we know where shame can come from. So my question isn't, isn't we need to like, I'm not saying we need to throw that out. My question is, how does the church teach us about ourselves? Because there is a real truth there that there is something about, we fall short of our own expectations all the time, right? Or we fall short. So there's a real truth about humanity there. But how do we do that without producing this deep-seated shame? And getting rid of the fact that, yes, we are uh, fallen. Right. And I'm going to throw it to Ryan because we talk about this all the time and we this, talk about I was, this is, I was setting this up on a tee for Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I was just... I, was I, 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 was just I, I, I am too and I'm not saying it. I'm just like, please, please get into it. Because uh, Ryan, and I'll just be honest, I've heard you talk about this and it's yeah. actually helped me a lot yeah. over my last two years of the journey. Based on how things. do we how do we get out of shame, right? Yeah, and it's all just me <laughs> trying to deal with my own stuff, right? <laughs> Um, but it is something I'm passionate about, and I, I think as a starting point, we need to start the story from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? So, um, Josh, you're a Harry Potter fan, yeah. right? Yeah. If you would have picked up uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and skipped uh, the first chapter and the second chapter uh, about the boy who lived and then just jumped straight into the story, you wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't be able to make a whole lot of sense about who. Uh, this... the, the whole resolution wouldn't have mean, meant as much 
had I not read those right. chapters. Right, and so I think sometimes we approach the Bible the same way, where in, in Genesis chapter 3, um, Adam and Eve take the fruit, and they, they eat it, and, and they sin, and that's where the guilt and the shame enter in, and that's where we would say we've inherited Adam's sin, original sin, um, which I agree with. Well, where right? does the Bible we, start? We have, we have inherited this sin, and, and the shame, the guilt is everywhere. However... If you go back to the first chapter and the second chapter and you read it, it's about a God who creates this incredible universe and and this world and he calls it good and then he creates the animals and he blesses them and he tells them to be fruitful and multiply and he calls them good and then he creates human beings in his image. This is Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28. It says, hey, go be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. And he goes, this is good. In fact, he goes, this is really, really good. Yes. So before the fall, before shame entered right. the picture, before sin came, before everything broke, God looks down on us and he goes, I didn't mess up. Yes. Right. Uh, this is this is good. So so I would say that uh, underneath all the layers of of sin and brokenness and shame that that even comes with birth, we have to get back to understanding that humans are actually good. Mm. Humans are are good. Now this rocks the boat in right. the theological circles. So go ahead. So what I was going to say is I think that's where Keller's book self the art freedom freedom of self self is actually brilliant because what he's he's saying is you have to forget yourself. Yes, but in an essence, and I don't—I haven't read it, so tell me if I'm off. But in essence, underneath that, you have to not just forget yourself, but at the same time, you have to remember a deeper self. So, right? You have to remember that. You have to remember the pre-fallen relationship with God. Right now, it doesn't mean you throw out the, this idea that that we do exist in a in a broken world. You say like, oh, there is a part of me that was that was deeper than my shame. That is truer than my shame. That, that connects with God, right? Well, he's he, he well in, in the book he's talking about the condition of the human ego, right? And he basically says this is that you can't hurt my feelings. He says you hurt my ego, right? And he says we live in a society that basically uh, promotes high self esteem, right? But high self esteem is actually over the course of humanity is the mainly the root of all evil is to esteem oneself. And so he says low self-esteem can promote that as well. I would say it's actually the same thing as low self-esteem it's, in some sense. Yes. It's not the exact, but like... Well, it, it, well it's, what he's saying is that low self-esteem is actually better almost than high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But we've grown up in the last 30 years where a mom drives down the street with, my son's in on the honor roll, right? right? And 30, 40 years ago, people were like, that lady's nuts. Right. Because that that's not healthy. Right. And so... So now what, what happens is he said, okay, you do have an ego, that's true. It needs to be filled up. Right. And so he says, Paul, he's in essence saying, Paul is saying, I don't care what you think about me, right? but I also really don't care what I think about right. me. And I take that a step further and I say, no, at the end of the day, it's only I care what I think about me because if I didn't care what I think about me, I wouldn't care what you think about me. And so at the end of the day, it's me focused on myself, whether that if you want to argue with me or not is irrelevant. That's I'm just saying I take a step right. further and say at the core of it is I'm so concerned. And what he's saying is he's saying more so you do have an ego. It needs to be filled up with Jesus. Right. So there's no room for me 
to attach right. what you think about me or yeah. what I think about my failures or successes right. and, and make that my identity. Rather, my identity is in you, I am well pleased. Right. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. So if you, I, have, you have to forget the self that is defined by other people. Exactly. And you have to remember the self that is defined by Christ in ex- this case. This is exactly his point. And so I'm a Thomas Merton and Henry Nowen junkie. And I think it's Thomas Merton who coined these phrases, which is what Ryan and you are talking about, is the true self versus the false self. Right. And our false self leads us to performing. Right. And all we're doing when we're performing is is what we're trying to do is we're trying to mask the shame that we right. bestowed upon ourselves or yeah. that was bestowed that, upon us. And that's that's why I think high high like high self esteem is actually just low self-esteem masked in something else because like this projection of i i love like and, and there are maybe people who generally be like i i see myself as this huge like this this big this this grand this this important person i think that's just a mask to say like i really feel like terrible about myself but i'm going to show you uh, that i feel better about myself yeah yeah i think i, I think you're kind of hitting it on the head is it's it's kind of one and the same, right? But but there is a slight difference. Right. The, the difference is yes. Hitler esteemed himself, right? Because he went, I deserve. So so right. the, the the guy who beats his wife mm-hmm. probably has high self esteem. We go, no, there's no way. And you're like, no, no, no. He esteems himself, yes, in high regard. He holds himself in high regard. But but I would say, so I I agree with you because I would say that high and low self esteem. Are both just one the false self, right? Yes, oh, that's okay. what I would yeah, say. Absolutely. So, yeah. so that's, that's, that's genius. Yeah. So, so yeah. then so, to get back to to Chad's point, like ten minutes ago, um, yeah, weird that the four of us would get on rabbit trails. <laughs> um, the answer then to to how do you get rid of the false self, or or how shame do you, how do you, how do you start right. to take that that shame away? I think is doing exactly what we're doing is having conversations mm-hmm. and, and yeah. having dialogue and, and being open and honest about right. things yeah. because you say it and, and then you go, Oh, like they're still here. You know, yeah. like, like they're yeah. still yeah. listening yeah. to me. There, there's this lie underneath <laughs> shame that yes. says yeah. never, never, never talk about it. That shame is wrong. And so push it down. And so right. it's this, this never yeah. ending cycle that, yeah. that, that uh-huh. just keeps it down beneath the surface. How do you wage war on that? You talk about it. Right. Yeah, you yeah, and, and I think you talk about it in the light of truth and like, you know, we've been kind of addressing both audiences or whatever and mm. is there absolute truth or whatever. But at the end of the day we I, let's just for the sake of going, yeah, there is truth about who we are and that we're right. enough. Right. Yeah. And, to, and to borrow Keller's phrases, our our deepest desire is to be fully known and fully loved. Yeah. And so our fear comes in when we go, if they know me, they won't accept me. Right. They won't they won't love me. They won't want to spend time with me. And I've learned in my own life and in the life of others, I've watched it, is the uh, the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. And when I, I make myself vulnerable in my marriage, right. my wife draws near to me. Right. And with friends, they go, whoa, you t-. Or you go, it's an opportunity for two guys to go, you too? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we have this, right? Because we're, right. we're, 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 we're humans are, are shaped and wired for connectivity. Yeah. And that's what we desire even, you know, even on the spectrum of these extroverted, introverted kind of personalities. Mm-hmm. And we have this tendency, you, you and I were talking about this key, is, is to isolate. Right. And, yeah. and I think even that is like, uh, you know, that can be many different things. But at the end of the day is... Ryan, you're right. Is we have to be, we have to create, we have to create right. circles, discussions to be able to talk about this 
and to create environments and cultivate those environments for people to be vulnerable about their about who they are, right. about what they're dealing with. Well, and I'll say like, and this is just a little bit of the behind the scenes for those of you out there. It's like, so this this whole project started, this whole idea started years ago, and and I and I'll speak for myself, and you guys can chime in, but. Growing up, I would always have, I would always ask these strange questions or make these strange yeah. statements, and I would just get stares back at me. <laughs> I would just be like, "What are you talking about, Keith?" And then slowly, and I, I found some. And then I, about four or five years ago, about four years ago, yeah. I started chatting with the four guys right here, and and I a light bulb clicked where I'd ask a question and instead of getting a stare back. I would get this look at the like with me and Travis. Like I'd, yeah. I would ask a question, and Travis yeah. would be like. I'm glad you asked that question. I've been thinking about this for years. Yes, and it, and yes. so I started to, it started to click and I was like, oh, it's fine to ask these sorts of questions because that's just who I am. And it's fine to have these sorts of discussions because that's just who I am. And I found a community where that's, you know, okay. I can be vulnerable and be promoted. Yeah. Right. So yeah. what it, 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 but it wasn't that I have to exist in this community, right? Yeah. I do because that's, that's, that's a whole other discussion, but I can still ask these questions in, get the blank stare. To, and get the blank stares because now I realize, yeah, it's weird to ask that question. And I'm okay with that. But that's just part of who I am. So for me, it's not. It's a matter of, of which is. is what I've come to understand is this idea of humbleness is not a lower understanding of yourself. than So So humbleness is not, it, when you need to be humbled, it's not you need to think less of yourself. Maybe you need to think less of yourself than you have been thinking of yourself. But it's not like I need to think of myself as worse than I am. No. And I definitely need to not think of myself as better than I am. I need to have a proper understanding. Yeah. Well, and I would even I would even say it's not weird to ask the questions. It's weird to think it's weird to ask the questions. Right. And so and so right. I just think it's weird. You're weird. And I just and so, need to realize. I need yeah. to realize that that's just who I am. I need to be okay with. That's just my. That's just who I am, right? I I am I yes. have this, so it's a proper understanding of self. It's yeah. not good, it's not bad, it just is. Yeah, yeah it's a thing yeah. thing. Right. It's just yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. It's yeah. like it's just the thing. Like that's so yeah. that's what I've had to, to come and I've gone through a lot of th- things and, and you know, over the last couple of years where I've had to come to that realization yeah. is that I I've had to realize that, that um when people say they're being humble, they're really Projecting their false self again. Yeah. Well, we won't, we won't get into it, but you can't right. be humble. Right. Humble's an yeah. action. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like when people say, like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm, you know, like I'm just being humble and all that," which is ridiculous. I understand. Yeah. Oh, it's when you ask when you know this prominent athlete right. in the area, and you say, "Hey, like, are you good at you know your sport?" And yeah. they 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 close up, right? And they don't tell you yes. And I go, "You're not being humble. Right. A truly humble right. person, a is someone who is." completely interested in others right but also that can say yeah I, I'm I'm a really good I'm going right. here I'm being looked at and right. that's not arrogant no. to say the truth we think right. the truth is a, somehow this arrogant right. thing and one of the things actually this is a sort of an aside but one of the things that I really had to to, to realize someone I forget who said this to me but I think it took years for me to really have it sink in um, I when I was a kid and, and through most of my life I was terrible at taking compliments mm. it make me uncomfortable yeah. and, I would, and I would try to be like eh, it's not that big a deal <laughs> And then someone said, being bad at taking compliments is a form of arrogance. Yes, and I was yes. like, oh, crap, oh, that sucks. Yes, and so I've had you to, don't know your Right, yeah. so I've had to come, I've had to come to realize that I, here's the, the way you, it, when someone gives you a compliment, just say thank you. That's yeah. it. That's it. Just say yeah. thank you. Right. They're trying to do something nice to you. They're not saying, they're not waiting for you to say, oh, I'm so good so they can get, it's not a gotcha moment. They're offering you, they're extend. They're being vulnerable to your point. Yeah. They're being, they're, to yeah. Travis, they're extending a, a hand and by saying something like, oh, wasn't that big a deal, you're slapping their hand down. Man, you right? can almost say thank you and you're welcome. 
Like, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, because 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 yeah. Keith, you are smart, and so you say thank you, great. But also, yeah, I am smart, and so I'm gonna go be smart. Right. Yeah. You know, why, why like, can't like, the author? I'm, I'm gonna use what what God's given me, or, yes. right. or what whatever right. he's given me, and I'm gonna go and, yeah. and I'm gonna use. But what is what, what is if you guys write a book, right? Like Josh and and, and Ryan, you guys write a lot, mm. and and if and if someone gets a hold of anything you write, and it's like, dude, that was so awesome. There's almost this like humility in being like, oh, you're welcome. Like, <laughs> like, like I know that you're like that sounds arrogant, but the joke yeah. there is kind of like, so the author who write, writes this number one best selling book is like. Thank you. What do you say when someone yeah. says thank you? You're, you're welcome. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they give you yeah. a compliment and there's almost a sense in like, thank you for existing. You're like, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and yeah. whatever, I'm being cheating, but it's, you're going, but at the end of the Poorly. day, it's like, dude, yeah. and that's can, hard, but that's hard for us. Why? Because, why? Because it's, it's appreciation okay. of others. So, but to bring this back to the, where we started, <laughs> it's the same thing. As the parent slapping the little boy's yes. hand away, it's the it's not about the boy. No, it's about you, right? It's so they're man. they're coming out and they're saying, right. they're saying thank you. I'm extending a vulnerable moment to you, mm. and you're literally slapping the hand away, saying no, don't yes, don't, don't do that, and you nope. shame them, and, and because you're not secure in yourself, they feel exactly. uncomfortable, and right. awkward, and then you bestow sh- yes, yeah, you shame them, and you know what's funny is uh, uh. I, I got this so so when people sometimes I dress well. Sometimes. And so if Most I get a compliment, time, yeah. thank you. Hey, you're very fashionable. Thank false, you for all your You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And so someone goes, someone goes like this, he goes, oh, those are dope. Or, oh, that's a that's a dope shirt or whatever. I go, right? Right. Like, they, I'm they, agreeing they, with you. Like, I know. They, that's why I'm wearing it. They right. expect you to be uncomfortable with it, though. They don't expect you to say. But you know what they expect know, me to say? You're is, welcome. Is, yeah. Thank you. I said, you were complimenting the shirt to me. Are you complimenting my, like, sense of fashion? So then say, dude, you have really good style. Thank you. But they're like, dude, that's a sick shirt. I go, I know, right? And all of a sudden, I'm a jerk and I'm arrogant and I'm cocky. Right. And I go, what? That's what I said when I saw on the rack. Right. That's why I got it. And all of a sudden, I'm a... so it's this right. weird yeah. perversion. And, and, and to your point of like getting a compliment, dude, and not saying thank you is that person in turn, you're shaming them. Right. And then they're going like, man, I thought I was doing something normal, right, and good because right. I appreciate. And so now it gets into you. I just want to say this is we, because we're so focused on self, we don't appreciate everybody else's beauty. And I'm not talking about just physical. I'm talking, but even physical, we don't appreciate it. And because we live in a culture in which we are envious and we're constantly jealous of others, we can't appreciate the person. And that is to the point of Keller's book is he said, you get to a place and you're a truly a person who has, has forgotten themselves they they go. I'm glad it was done. Right. They go. I didn't have to write the book. Yeah. I didn't have to hit the home run. Yeah. I'm just. You can beat me on the court, and I'm glad you did it. Right. Because because it had to be done. Someone right. had to win, and I can now look at the winner and go. Bravo. That's so good, because well what, so they're, good. what they're yeah. saying to you is like you brought you brought some sort of joy to my life. Yes. yes. And you're yeah. and what and if you if you say anything other than thank you, if you say like ah oh, wasn't that big a deal, you're telling them their joy wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. We'll talk about and a, that's uh, terrible. Right. Talk like, about the, the false self like, with the, Okay. And this is yeah. this is and, and and who who's helped me? I think I think and I don't know if this is what he was saying, but. Uh, author uh, John Mark Homer says, I think it was him. He says, uh, uh, you know, this this false self when people are like, oh man, that was great. It's like, you know, it's just all glory to God. You're like, well, yes, but God didn't do it. 
Right. Like he did it, but he but he yeah. used you. Right. Yeah. And therefore yeah. you yeah. can say thank you. Yes. Because he called you to do it because he called your co heirs. He's saying, I want you to create and cultivate right. to this yes. point. And he's going, Hey, stop pretending and say, like, oh really? I didn't see uh, God didn't give the sermon. Man. Right. He gave you the gift. Yeah, so, so cool. So when Genesis three is the yes. starting point, then then that shame uh, is what enters into the picture, and we go, right. "Well, I had it, had right. God, because I'm, yeah. I'm just a piece of garbage, or whatever." Right. But when Genesis one is the starting point, then we go, "Oh, God created me, and I'm going to use right. the, the gifts that God gave me to right. do something in this world." And guess what? That makes even God that gives more glory to God right. than than us. Yes. Go, oh, well, well, I'm nothing, right? And so it all comes back to right. understanding the, the, the beginning of the story. What? Let, let's talk for a moment. Let's talk about the white elephant that is society and culture. So I, I've heard, like, I, I remember this moment specifically when I was 16, I became aware of, like, shame, other, my, my mom's shame towards me, I guess. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, but she, the, this, the Christmas card, okay? My brothers and sisters, like, the, you know how they like to have those big, uh, what, what's everyone up to? My brother and sister had, like, these paragraphs, they so-and-so mm-hmm. graduating, so-and-so is going through this. Mm-hmm. And for me, there's one sentence. <laughs> one sentence. And I was like, dude, my mom, I think my mom's ashamed of me because she was raised mm-hmm. on, like, the leave it to beaver type uh, happy days. Like, that was the, the culture right. she was So explaining right now, not blaming. Yeah. But so she inherited the leave it the, to beaver. She inherited that. Right. She was taught that. That idea. So now... We fast forward today and, you know, us waking up from shame is like coming out of the matrix, you know, we got all like, uh, <laughs> pulling all the tubes yeah. out and then, but it goes back to like objective view. Why can't they see what I see? Like, how am I going to make myself vulnerable and put myself out there without right. them knowing where I'm coming from? Fantastic. Yes. And so we have like, even today's society's definition of acceptance yeah. is not real. It's like, right. I'm accepting you because it makes me feel better as a human right. being about whatever it is yeah. you want. Yeah, well, yeah we're constantly so rejecting and accepting things in order. So if I reject something, what I'm doing is I'm trying to find my identity in it. If mm-hmm. I'm, ex- I'm about that, I'm not. And when I say I'm not about that, it's also it, what it's doing is I'm saying that's part of who I am. Right. And so we, you know, we're compelled by things or we're, we're repelled by things. And I would even say there's, there's an element of, of, no, it's, you know, the jealousy factor is you are compelled by it, but you're jealous so you can't be compelled by it instead of the appreciation yeah. and understanding like the complexity of each kid. Yeah. That, that you didn't have three of the same. And even if you had triplets, they ain't the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're constantly absorbing what society wants from us so even if we're like we're aware of of this we we tend to get buried beneath what everybody else is thinking or projecting yeah yeah and i think i think that's why shame is the starting point to transformation identifying shame looking at shame seeing shame calling shame what it is it's like a it's like a car if our soul is like a dirty car, mm-hmm. you know, that has just a, a bunch of dirt on the outside and water everywhere. Yes. Identifying shame is like the car wash, right? Where there's a whole bunch of stuff inside of it that still needs to be like sifted through and worked on. But when we when we see the shame, we, we call it what it is. And it's like we get this like nice car wash for our car so that we can at least see inside and, and see like what, what's down there and what's you going know, on. You know, you know, you just made me think about with your car illustration is white. Why do people buy white cars? Because they don't look as dirty. Yeah. And so it's almost like we're like the white, we're like these white cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and then, and then you, like you said, you take it to the wash and you go, yeah. oh, oh, there was a film. 
Yeah. But you know what? Else? You, know, you, know what yeah. you know what? You know what? My, where my mind took me to is like, why do people write "wash me" on those cards as if they're shaming the car that it's dirty? That's like shame. You're like what? shame tactics, like, guys. You're like, I know my car is dirty. You don't need to write "wash no, keep, me" on keep, it because there is because right. if you're That's 40 years old and up, right. if you don't have a. Your car no, is I, not clean, but I just you think, are not. I just a, think that's you're a, not a whole person. I just think that's right. a funny impulse, and that's what it we've is. been talking about. It's a funny impulse for like the 16 year old kid because he thinks it's funny, which is the worst right. form of humor. But why would they right. even do this? Because Wash the 45 year old, right? Right. right. No, I understand it. I just, why? Let's, let's same, take it a step a, further. It's part of the same system. Let's yes. take it a step further. Absolutely. Why do you feel super uncomfortable? I'm not saying us. I don't think the four of us fall into this category. But why do a lot of people? Feel so ashamed when somebody comes over to their house and it's yes. not clean, right. spotless. What do you say? Don't go in that room. Do right. not, do yeah. not go in. We pretend are, to be something we're not in the moment. It's just, it's right. yeah. like how is there a better picture of just our souls? Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't look at that part. Yes. Right. You know, let's not talk about. Because don't do that. Part. Again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, but going back, but going back to Travis's point because there's a vulnerability. In inviting, inviting, not even just having someone stop by your house, but inviting someone over in. when your house is a mess. Yeah, there's a certain amount of courage and vulnerability. What like, are you inviting them to come into? in? Because you to your real, like this is what to it yourself. looks like. Yeah. This is what this looks like. This is what Tuesday every looks like. day, <laughs> right? This is what this. And and there's so you go into someone's house, and I and this happens all the time. You go into someone's house, and they're like, I apologize for the mess, and it doesn't matter how messy it is. They'll always apologize for right. the mess because it's a weird. And you go, yeah, you're sorry, you clean it up, right? But even then, <laughs> so but, I don't but what I what I want to try to do and this is it's a genuine feeling of mine but I also think it's important in the discussion like you know what it's fine like it's fine oh, I always say that I'll get yeah it. but I know I know and that's like sort of the polite like that's mm-hmm. the I'm sorry it's messy oh it's fine that's the polite it's, sort of social contract but I'm saying there needs to be genuine expression in that like that's fine it's yeah. funny too that you mentioned almost, that. I almost want to say like I'm glad it's messy yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. good I'm glad hey, yeah, hey, you know what I was right thank you <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's funny you mentioned that because like when I take people in my car, my car's messy most of the time, and I'm always like, talk to you about that. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, there needs to be some like accountability on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm like, my car's messy. I would clean it, but I, I don't care. And then they look at me with like this shame. They're like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like, yes, like, you should care. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> you should care that you care, bro. Right? Yeah, yeah right. Like, yeah, things to do. I think what we're saying is, aren't there some more important things in this world that we should actually care about? For right. sure. Right. Other than than yeah. making sure every last piece of dust is off of. Right. Well, dude, it, we have. Yeah, this and if it really bothers you that much, offer to help them clean it. <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, well, and, and let's go back to let's go back yeah. to you. Just, just okay, if it really bothers you, yeah, come over. Yeah. 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 Is is I my my one of my cousins? He's very artistic. I mean, he's an insane artist yeah. and a great musician. And we, me, him, and my brother shared a room for years through college. <laughs> And I'm not the cleanest guy, but I'm pretty tidy. And then it kind of goes down from to my, I would say, then my brother, then him, or whatever. And my cousin can function with guitar strings at the edge of his pillow. Right. Yeah. And CDs at the foot of his bed. Yeah, right. Like, I'm, I'm not talking about, like, like stacks and, and, and a guitar laying next to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. Right. No. And I would go, what? And we always, we have these jokes about, we always reflect on our old, and we kind of like make fun of each other about things. And, and I just go, he's okay. Right. Yeah. Why does that bother me? Because I didn't sleep in his bed with him. Right. 
We were twenty. In our That's 20s. a whole other discussion. Yeah, that's, that's fine. The heat and went out so, one night. Yeah, yeah. I was tired. I thought it was my bad. And, and so, in in that is why do I care? Now, if he put his guitar strings on my bed, yes, yeah. I care now. But he didn't, yeah. and it's fine. And he functions well. Right, he's fine. He is he's an incredible guy. And, it, and who cares? But it goes right. back to why are we so obsessed with everyone trying to be like this? Is what we do in relationships. Right, right, and 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 this is what you guys were talking about something earlier. I just wanted to kind of go back a little bit as to what what is going on, and what is going on in our humanity. And Keller talks about this in the meaning of marriage is when you get married to someone, you're really signing up to partner with God to create and to cultivate an environment for that person mm-hmm. to become who God created them to be, not who you want them to right. be, which is usually just yourself. Yes. And N.T. Wright brings up, there's these moments where you get a glimpse right. of who they were really created to be and, quote unquote, who we will be as our future selves. So, so let's even yeah. then wrap, let's yeah. kind of put a bow yes. on this then. Yes. Because if we're going to take that model, and that's a brilliant illustration for marriage, but it's a perfect illustration for parenting. Mm. your responsibility as a parent and again yes please hear me i am not a parent yet and i will not be a perfect one but if that's the call the call is to create an environment and cultivate an environment where your kid is not who you want them to be which is shame but who god made them to be which is truth. yes so that's if we're going to think about shame in parenting and again we're all human, so we're going to make that mistake. But the goal is to create an environment where the kid becomes who they're supposed to be. Their true self. And and you won't shame them. Now, there's some other things where, yeah, it's you can't drop your pants in the middle of the grocery aisle. But but, but you do it in a way that, 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 that you cultivate the yeah. person, the, the soul, rather than than like the, the, the social yeah. construct of the kid. And you do that through having enough courage to have conversations. You right. do that through having um, the... the Wherewithal, I think. I think for a lot of it, it's just it's just ignorance, right? right. Like, like nobody knows, and, right. and then you right. say that, and you go, oh, "Okay, I'll do that," yeah. right. right? So it's having the, enough education and, right. and thought, thinking through this enough to realize, hey, I I need to celebrate mm-hmm. the the good parts of my kid. I need to not try to try to fit them into a certain mold. I need to understand that there's going to be times where they they mess up, and so let's talk about that in a healthy environment, right? And Absolutely. let's let's put them on the right trajectory, and let's let's go from there. Yeah. Right. All right. I'm gonna end this way because I just want this. I want this recorded too. <laughs> to whoever my firstborn, because you're about to be born in about six months. Mm. I'm so excited for you to be here. I love you already. All right. I think that's good. All right. All right. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
hope you do listen to us and uh, follow us on all of the social medias. Like us on Facebook. Like us, uh, follow us on Twitter. Like Humanican Media. Follow them. Um, and our Twitter handle is uh, at w a t underscore podcast. And then Humanica Media. Yeah, just uh, hu- uh, Humanica, just at Humanica Media. That's uh, all right. And and we'd love to hear your comments, your feedback, anything like that. Follow us. Give us a shout out. Um, respond to us let us us know what you want to hear yeah let us know what you want to hear let us know what you think about this episode we want to know um, everybody's feedback um, wherever that takes place wherever you find us let us know what you think That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.